Hello, and welcome to Creating Happy Healthy Pets 2023, Bark and Whiskers Anniversary Week Special. Join us as we feature a pet expert every day, each sharing their expertise to help you continue creating happy, healthy pets. Without further ado, let's jump right in to today's interview. Enjoy watching. Hello, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and as a part of Bark and Whiskers Head to Tail Week, I am so excited to have my friend and colleague, Dr. David Turner, with me. He has been a guest uh, previously on Bark and Whiskers. He has really spent the bulk of his career focusing on ages, and uh, we'll, we'll have Dr. Turner explain what ages are. Many of you that have been following Bark and Whiskers for the last decade or healthy pets prior to that. You already know what advanced glycation end products are, but some of you have not ever heard that term. So I have the world's foremost researcher and certainly expert on this particular topic. And I appreciate you, Dr. Turner, for joining us today. No, you're very welcome. Yes, I enjoy our conversations. It's uh, stimulating in a lot of different ways. So Dr. Turner, back up. I know that you, I have heard this story before, but tell our listeners and readers a little bit about how you became so passionate about studying the high heat byproducts of, we're going to focus on food today, more so than than body, uh, the endogenous formation of ages. But you probably at some point didn't know about this topic and then you became very aware. Walk us through why, how you discovered that this was a passion in your heart and then how your career pivoted after this discovery. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, first of all, so ages uh, are advanced glycation end products and they're sort of um, produced in the body as our, um, as we produce energy. So basically what happens is there'll be a sugar comes into contact with a protein. When they come together, there's a rearrangement of the chemical bonds and it forms these advanced glycation end products. And the issue is that these are quite toxic to the body. And normally they're sort of removed from the body when we go to the restroom, basically. So um, it's about 15 years ago now. I was doing I was working with transcription factors in cancer at the time. And uh, I was just reading a paper and I came across this word advanced glycation end product. And I thought, well, what's one of them? And uh, what we found is that hardly anybody knows what one of them is. And that's even within the Research Institute itself. Most people have not heard of these advanced glycation end products. Yeah. So I was reading and the more I read them, the more that I was realizing that these are part of our everyday lives. They, every Most things we eat contain advanced glycation end products to different levels depending on the type of food. So I thought, well, what is known about this in cancer? So I did some reading and there was very little there. So once I found out how bad they are, how little they're understood, I decided that that's what my research was going to do. So we've, we've been basically looking at uh, the role of dietary advanced glycation end products for about 10 years now. And we've found some really significant things within humans and how they can really promote um, cancers to be more aggressive once they form. And then obviously I'm a pet owner. I've loved dogs. I've had them all my life. And uh, we got thinking that this processed foods that they have, which is one of the highest um, foods that contains ages, they're really jam packed full of these things. So we I was, had a little bit of a look at them and we sort of, um, the data is sort of showing that their dog foods have a hundred times more ages 
age content than um, human foods. And we'd already sort of um, sort of um, shown in humans that these things really sort of promote all chronic diseases, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerative disorder, and cancer. So we thought these must be having a big effect within our dogs and all our pets that we're having. And that's basically what we've found. I was shocked. Now, looking back, I guess having ages 100 times more than average human foods or when we measure dogs and cats' bodies, I was like, oh, my gosh. But if you think about it, they are eating ultra-processed food. Most pets are eating ultra-processed food, canned or kibble, from the time that they wean off of mom until the time that they die. 100% of their calories are coming from the equivalent of fast food or ultra-processed food for the human space, whereas humans hopefully eat some less processed or minimally processed foods. Animals are oftentimes not given the choice to eat less processed foods. So here's a question for you. I have to assume that you probably looked around at your colleagues as well as um, trying to educate those around you pertaining to this topic. It has to be hard because ultra processed foods, I just saw a paper a few days ago that said that nutritionists in the US were able to create a diet made from 91% ultra processed foods to be nutritionally complete for humans. Basically, what junk foods can you combine to create a nutritionally complete diet for humans? That's kind of the space recognizing that so many people in modern countries get their calories from junk food. Pets are in the same situation. I have to assume that you your work isn't necessarily wildly popular because so much of the industry is funded from junk food companies are you are you finding your work to be an uphill battle yeah in a lot of different ways uh, uh, one of the ways is uh, trying to get funding for this type of re- research for whatever reason is not the easiest thing to do and uh, especially the research that i've been doing within um Pets has been actually from philanthropy money rather than the official money from, say, the FDA, the NIH, or anything like that. We have lots of funding looking at cancer in these ages, and um, we've sort of tried to put some grants in, but it's not an easy area to get funding in. And whatever that reason is, well, it's not for me to say, but it it shouldn't be that way. Like I said, we saw these ages are associated with most chronic diseases. We now have the processed foods, the modern, the ultra processed foods that are jam packed full of these ages. So we're throwing more of these things into our bodies than we ever have, have done before. And it's increasing because we're eating more and more of these processed foods. So we know that these ages cause cancer, are involved in diabetes, are involved in most chronic diseases because they increase inflammation in the body. So basically, if you're increasing inflammation in the body, it's damaging your body. You're growing older. You're making your organs grow a lot older, a lot quicker. So you might have a a biological, chronological age of, say, 36. But if you've been exposing yourself a lot to these ages, your organ age, the age of the organs inside your body could be 40, could be 50. And so it's basically accelerating this. And within humans, it's sort of, it's shown. I mean, we're seeing diabetes in teenagers, uh, even younger kids and things. And we never used to see that. Cancer in my field, we're seeing it in 20-year-olds more and more. And a lot of that, and it's not the only reason, but a lot of that is because our organs are growing older quicker. Cancer is a, 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 a disease associated with older age. 
So if our organs are growing all there, we're getting these diseases earlier. And I think this processed food has a lot to do with that. And extrapolating that to uh, our dogs is that uh, prostate cancer was unheard of in dogs. Now we're actually diagnosing prostate cancer in dogs. We're seeing the uh, sugar deficiencies in the dogs, uh, the diabetes, all these diseases. Lymphoma especially is one of the um, real cancers in dogs that has really increased over this 10 years. And I truly believe these advanced glycation end products are playing a role in that. They're not the only thing, lack of exercise and everything from that point of view also adds to all this. But these advanced glycation end products, just because of what we actually feed our dogs, I, de- I believe are definitely having an effect on this. You know, when I did some research, when when I first learned about this topic about five years ago, and we had our very first conversation, and I said, listen, I'm shocked and overwhelmed that that this is probably a massive contributing factor to early degeneration and many of the many of the what we call lifestyle related diseases young puppies and kittens are not born with organ failure they develop it over time and when i started thinking about not just the cancer aspect dr turner i started thinking about how we have so many, like the number one reasons people take their animals to the vet. For dogs, they have GI issues. So I just started diving into the research that were done on lab animals and humans, IBD, IBS, chronic colitis for humans and lab animals has been established. Chronic pancreatitis has been established. Heart disease, kidney disease, autoimmune disease, neurodegenerative diseases. The link, I could find papers on ages and almost every degenerative disease out there for humans. I found papers. Now we haven't done that research in animals because of funding and that's just is what it is. I'm thankful for people that can and will make donations for additional animal funding. It's very hard, but mammals are mammals. And as a molecular biologist, this reaction that's occurring occurs in all warm bodied creatures when protein and sugar meet each other. So can you talk about how like, is it the high, so ultra processed pet foods, let's just say dog and cat foods, uh, canned and kibble foods, the average bag of extruded kibble has had raw materials that have been high heat processed four times. Does that make kibble contain four times more ages? Is that a logical thought process or is that not how it works? Yeah, no, that, that's logical because like, it all depends on how much fats, protein and sugar there is in, in the, the food when they process it because you have the, fat, uh, the, the fats, the sugar, and when they come together with the proteins, when you add heat or when you add pressure or when you irradiate, it makes that reaction happen a lot quicker. So basically, um, I mean, it's going back to human, but if you have, say, three ounces of steak and you actually um, stew that, you put it into a moist heat and you actually make a stew with the beef and you look at the ages in that. So the raw steak has around 800 age units. When you look at it after we boiled it, that goes to about 2,000 age units. But if we fry that meat, that high dry heat drives that reaction I've been talking about, and it goes up to 8,000 age units just the way we cook our foods. So all the methods that they use for food processing sort of makes that reaction quicker, the extrusion, the retorting, the irradiation, all of these things. The other aspect of this, and we haven't mentioned this up to now, is ages taste fantastic. Mm. The charred areas on foods, the um, sort of um, 
uh, when you um, heat sugar, you get all that caramelized area. That's jam packed full of age and tastes fantastic. So food companies, and particularly in the pet food industry, actually add ages directly or age derivatives directly to the dog food to make it more appealing so that our pets will actually eat it. So it's sort of a a double-edged sword that it really drives the formation of these things. You know, I had the opportunity to meet the oldest dog in the world. He it was yeah. 31 years old. He lives in Portugal and he was declared by Guinness to be the oldest dog. A bunch of verification had to happen. But his owner, they 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 live a very rural basic life and they certainly they can't afford commercially available pet food, but they've also never fed their dogs that way. They they cook whatever human food they're eating and then they turn it into a stew, a freshly made stew that day for Bobby, the oldest dog in the world. I have a feeling that the, that the fact that he ate such it, some of those meats were cooked, but because they were cooked with low heat, with a lot of moisture, that's one way that we can decrease AGE production. Am I right? Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I mean, there's the big argument with um, pet foods and should we give raw, should we give this, should we give the kibble and which areas we do. And we all have our own thoughts on that in one way or another. But basically the the, the true research that needs to be done to decide this is, isn't being done, basically. Yeah. I mean, we, we could actually answer a lot of these questions if we could do the research and actually get the answers. So yeah. we, uh, I, mean, I mean, raw dog food, yes, a uh, uh, hundred years ago, but we domesticated these dogs now. So we don't know particularly what and the, uh, what's going to happen when they eat it, what happens to the genetics, which is the same when you look at the processed food. We're starting to look at the effects of the processed food by looking at the genes, seeing how it changes the proteins. So we're trying to now set up some studies where we can look at the healthier dogs, the dogs that are on um, processed foods more often, and really have a look at the genetics and see the differences in that. So basically... Yes, I, I, my feeling is, I mean, a lot of it's common sense when you think about it. And it, it's basically, if it's processed, it's sky high and a lot of bad things, not just ages, but ages is a predominant factor within these foods. Where home-cooked foods, where it's moist and everything, and you keep them ages down. Our bodies, our pets' bodies are just amazing what they can do. And they can deal with a certain amount of these ages. But if you're throwing so many of these things into our bodies, our pets' bodies, our uh, repair systems, our renal clearance of ages gets overwhelmed, and these things start to accumulate in our bodies a lot quicker than they would normally. So it's sort of a lot of common sense that way. Yeah. The yeah. other side of this is physical activity. We know, all know how that's good for you. It's good for our dogs. It's that exercise is definitely what they need. We've got a lot of evidence in our research that if um, physical activity can sort of reverse a lot of effects of the ages or prevent a lot of them effects so again i mean it's a balance between feeding the dogs their exercise of the dogs and ages seem to be related to all of this they're part of the disease they're part of the exercise they're part of the food they're part of the inflammation that causes most of these things as well so they're like a common factor that we can really use to really look at these because it sort of encompasses all our dog's health It's not just looking at eating raw foods or eating processed foods. It's looking at the whole thing like a holistic picture where we can really start to understand that. And that's what we're seeing with our human research. And I think it would have even more benefit if we start to get this going with our pets, working with the veterinarians, working with dog owners, so we can actually do this research. 
Like we do a lot of clinical trials with humans to try and find treatments for cancer. And working with the pet owners and the veterinarians, clinical trials with dogs is the way to go. This is not experiments on dogs by any means whatsoever. This is a bona fide clinical trial where everything is checked out and everything is done. And then working together with veterinarians, people like yourself, the advocates for all the pets, that could really sort of make a big difference. So, and I totally agree with you. I know that the Companion Animal Nutrition and Wellness Institute, Can We, which uh, is the nonprofit that I co-founded with board-certified veterinary nutritionist Donna Radedick, she has done one university-based, very basic science study looking at basically raw pet food compared to canned and kibble and got, uh, the results are exactly what you would think. The less processing pet foods have, the less ages are included. But you bring up a really good point. All foods have some ages. The goal is to minimize our intake of the high levels of ages found in in some food categories. Exercise, I love the fact that you bring up that exercise is one way that we can detoxify our bodies and our pets' bodies from maybe this massive amount of intake. Mm -hmm. Are there any other things we can do, Dr. Turner, besides daily movement therapy to help minimize uh, the negative effects of ages on our bodies? Is there anything else? And then feed as less processed food as we can afford to feed, maybe swap ultra processed treats for more treats from the refrigerator, you know, carrots and blueberries are uh, probably a lot lower than a lot of those commercially available treats that we are spending a lot of money for. What are some other tips or things we could do to potentially offset ages? Yeah. So I have two dogs and uh, we actually um, home cook. So we put out what's for you, sweet potato. We put some meats in there and we bring that all in. But we do it in a certain way where we don't increase the ages. That moist heat is what we were talking about. If yeah. you cook meats, if you cut it into smaller pieces, it will cook quicker so the ages have less time to form. That's an easy one that you can do. Good. And also, uh, I mean, the ceramic um, cooking is, burns at a lot higher temperatures, I've been told, which, again, would make these ages go along a lot quicker. So it's a bit different with dogs, but marinades, like acidic marinades. So it would take some thought. This one just came into my head. But if, if you marinate um, a chicken in, say, um, uh, lemon juice, and then you actually cut, uh, fry that chicken, you can cut down the ages by half that forms. So I said mm -hmm. it's around 8,000 age units. If you pre-marinate your foods, you can actually bring that down to about 4,000. These are rough figures, so but basically what we've seen from the research. So there's little things you could do like that. But to be honest, we need more research to really understand this reaction, how it all comes together, how then proteins bind with everything else and come across. And once we can understand that more, we can start looking at supplements and things from that way to see where they are effective. Because um, basically, ages increase inflammation, oxidative stress in the body. And um, there's a lot of antioxidants is a big thing. Them antioxidants, we, we, we've done some clinical trials in prostate cancer patients taking a high dose antioxidant, and it did seem to in, decrease the age levels within the circulation of these patients. So we're actually trying to like bring down their inflammation so it doesn't make the cancer worse. So there's a lot of potential from that side as well. But again, the research needs to be done. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't want to start doing that yes. actually harms the dogs, if you know what I mean. It, we really yeah. need to understand these ages and how they fit with the processed foods and everything. So we can actually do that. 
But it brings us to another issue is that the food manufacturing companies, they could do basic changes to what they're doing to reduce the ages in the foods themselves. They use a lot of these high temperatures to sterilize the foods and everything. If they started looking at um, sort of methods that use moist heats rather than a high dry heat, that could bring it down. Because there's a lot to be, processed foods are being used more and more. Climate change and everything is is meaning it's harder and harder to get hold of like healthy foods. I mean, it's just that way. There was actually, um, I think it was last month, a paper came out and they used artificial intelligence to look at 50,000 food labels. And they they sort of, the the artificial intelligence scanned all these food labels. And it came out with the fact that 75% of all foods in America are ultra processed, which wow. is which is a just an amazing figure. A lot of the studies before that done by humans were saying around 35, 40%. But this one study, which is a lot more sort of what's the word, um, sort of intricate, is actually looking at a lot of different things, came up with that 75% figure. Wow. So I would love it if they could do the same thing with dog foods. I think that would be more like 90%. But yeah. And my own it, thoughts, yeah. Well, and our estimate, we did that research when we were writing Forever Dog. And at that time, when when we wrote, when I wrote Forever Dog during COVID 2019, the stats mm-hmm. were about the estimates in the literature were that 85% of dogs were deriving 100% of their calories from ultra processed foods. And in the US at that time, it was 50% of the calories consumed were from ultra processed foods. Mm -hmm. That has definitely increased. And as this most recent paper demonstrates, humans are headed the way of our pets, which is consuming the vast majority of our calories as unhealthy foods that have these unwanted tag-along byproducts that create degenerative disease quickly. They literally age our body. So can you talk a little bit about how that happens? My understanding is that our cells have a a receptor for ages and that when the age hooks into the receptor, that's the beginning of this degenerative process. Am I in the ballpark there? Yeah, definitely. So I talk about that inflammation that ages to cause inflammation. So that's a bit vague. So basically, on the outside of every cell in our body, which is trillions, there's a, a receptor for advanced glycation end product. It's a protein, and it sits on the surface. And a part of that rage protein, we call it receptor for advanced glycation end products. When ages bind to that receptor, it sends a signal inside the cell. And what that does, it actually switches on a lot of the genes that increase inflammation. And that's basically because this rage protein um, is is there to control um, the immune response when we hurt ourselves. So if we scratch, we get a lot of red area around the scratch on the skin. That's rage sending proteins there to fight infections and everything. So we need rage. Rage is an important protein. But when we throw ages in there, we overactivate that. We're getting too much of that redness and we're getting it in areas that don't actually need to be repaired. There's no scratch there in the first place. But because ages have upregulated rage and that leads to this inflammation in our organs, in uh, all of our tissues and in the cells as well. That's uh, I know one of. Go on. Well, one of uh, one of I think the the focuses that Dr. Donna Radic is has thought about is cats 
and kidney disease, cats and diabetes, diabetes in general. But it feels to me like, at least from the human research, that some tissues either may be more vulnerable to the negative deleterious effects of ages, or that there could be more receptors. Like it feels like the pancreas could be a highly susceptible organ. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but- that's totally right. Uh, mostly. So ages are cleared from the body, like I said, through renal clearance. So they tend to accumulate in the digestive tract, in the liver, in the kidney. So they definitely are higher in them organs. But when we're looking in the brain, in the prostate, in the breast, we're seeing that there's a pretty um, even distribution apart from them organs where are involved in clearance. So we're finding that when, if you throw in too many ages into the body, the renal clearance is easily overwhelmed it it, it just can't cope with that and what we find is these ages are accumulating in the liver they'll accumulate in the in the kidney and we're seeing a lot of liver disease kidney disease because of this these ages are actually contributing to this so it's definitely um that there are areas of main accumulation but we're finding they seem to accumulate everywhere I think one of the first diseases was in the eye and cataracts. Ages are involved in a lot of the eye disease because they sort of bind to the proteins within the eye, within the eye. They stick them together and they can't actually do what they're supposed to do. Normally, they're freed around. And that's the same thing with their cardiovascular disease. You hear a lot about the plaque formation within blood vessels and how that can block the blood vessels. Ages play a major role in that cross-linking that leads to the plaque buildup within the vessel itself. And that goes to cardiovascular disease. And finally, we talked about diabetes a lot. So H1AC, the actual marker that they use to measure blood glucose level, that is actually an age product. It's age bound to hemoglobin. And so, and because they accumulate over time, it can really indicate how what your blood sugar levels are. And obviously that's been used for a long, long time. And we are starting to use that as a marker in for for animal well being as well, or the level of glycation occurring in animals. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, yeah. mm-hmm. so are you finding that it has to be a little bit depressing to you to have read this study demonstrating that over seventy percent of calories are now coming from ultra processed mm-hmm. food in humans? As human health continues to deteriorate. And unfortunately, same with animals, our companion animals are, we have way more lifestyle related diseases than we ever have before. That makes this research so much more imperative because although we've identified the problem, Mm -hmm. we, other than the common sense approach, which is feed and eat less processed food, we -hmm. need to grow more food in our own gardens. We need to feed less food. If we're going to cook our food for our animals, we need to cook it at low heat with a lot of moisture. Those are great common sense steps, but we still don't have the answers as to what we can do uh, once potentially ages are in the body and creating mass destruction, it kind of feels like it's just, there's no hope, but there could be hope. And I think that that's part of what your research is aiming for is to fight. We've identified the problem. Now we need some solutions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, you can't avoid ages. They accumulate from the day we're born till the day we die, but we can do a lot what we do in between that. I mean, everybody likes a great taste in food. And a lot of that is due to ages. I still eat, um, steak now and again, and then. not as much as I used to after I've seen some of the results that we have in the lab, but I still eat them. But I make sure if I'm aware of what they are, 
and what they do, then I can think, well, I had too many ages yesterday in yesterday's meal. So tomorrow I will have a low age meal. And basically, oh, I had a lot of ages, so I'm going to go out and do a bit extra exercise this time. We can go that way. Like you said, they're the common sense decisions. One thing that we've been doing is working with some natural product researchers, and we've been looking at seaweed and algae and a, a few different things. And there's two or three compounds where we've identified could maybe, and it's only a maybe at the moment, but they seem in our early experiments to really inhibit that age formation which would be great. I mean, even in processed foods, if you threw these things in while you're doing the processing, it could maybe uh, in stop the formation of these ages or at least reduce them. And then that's an easy thing that we could do. But the, the, the issue being there's a lot of basic research that's not difficult, it's not complicated, that we could do to give a lot of answers, but we haven't got the funding to do it. And uh, yes. these, these things are expensive. So it, it, it's, yeah, it's a conundrum, but um, at least thinking about it and going forward and yes. sort of um, being more sensible. But, um, but like I said, it, it's more nobody's really heard of these things. You go to the FDA site and look for an advanced glycation end product. doesn't mention them once. There's just nothing in the search history there, which to me is just wrong. I mean, these things are involved in virtually every foods we eat. They cause diseases. They cause inflammation. Yeah. So they should be talked about in more sort of, um, yes, more cons- more what's the word, focus, that should be um, really actually being discussed. And basically, I mean, we look at things like um, farm produce now. All the animals are being fed these high-processed foods. We're putting pesticides on all the crops. That increases ages as well. I mean, even just breathing in um, sort of uh, pesticide, uh, cadmium exposure increases ages. And it's all related to this inflammation. Because basically, ages cause inflammation, and funny enough, inflammation causes ages. So you get this feedback loop. It's just chronic inflammation that's self-feeding and keeps going on. And then if we're throwing more of these ages into our bodies, we're feeding that cycle even more. And that's what's leading our organs to grow older. I mean, Pete, one of the big things that I get at the moment is, well, everybody's living much longer lives than they ever were. But if you go back, say, 20 years, the quality of that life was a lot better because we didn't have so much osteoporosis, the arthritis, the um, Alzheimer's, all the chronic diseases are happening early and earlier, like I said before. And that's where these things are making a difference. We've made great strides in life expectancy. But if we look at the US life expectancy um, from the last couple of years, it's starting to actually drop for the first time ever. This has never been seen before. The, uh, The opioid epidemic has a lot to do with that. And I think COVID, when the figures come out soon, is going to have a lot to do with that. But also lifestyle is one thing that it's starting to drop now. So, yeah, it's really sort of controlling our exposure, knowing what they are. And I appreciate the fact that you have made this your life passion. Will you talk a little bit about your brand new website, a little plug of what we can find on that website and and more about that yeah definitely so we we've started an an anti-age foundation or anti-age foundation we call this one and basically you can go to that site you can get a lot of information about the ages we're just getting this going we've just sort of self-funded and i think it's a non-profit organization but basically on there it has more detail on what ages are how they work we even have a diagram of a human body and you can click on each one of the organs 
and it'll tell you what the evidence is for that and why ages are bad as it goes round. We we do a blog every couple of weeks or so. We recently did one on pet foods and things and how we can actually um, go with that. So we keep updating it. But one thing we're really trying to do, we're trying to bring together the industry, veterinarians, doctors and everything. So we have a lay site for people that don't know what ages are. That's up and running. But we're also working with a lot of food companies and um we're sort of trying to generate an age certification. And we've got a few companies that are interested in this so they can actually say that their their food has been certified as low. But then we've also got a lot of clinicians where they can go and look at the diseases and everything that way. So we're thinking if we can bring all these people together and then sort of bring experts in from each side of that, we can really sort of make some inroads into bringing this forward. I appreciate wholeheartedly your commitment to educating all of us about this incredibly important topic, incredibly important for us to achieve long-term health and wellness. This is a topic that is front and center, and I appreciate your commitment to focusing on this. I would love it if along with the AGE certification for human foods, if we could maybe down the road do an AGE certificate, a low AGE certification for pet foods. What an amazing gift for pet parents to be able to, to see what foods are transparent enough to do some testing and then demonstrate those results. That would be a great gift to the entire pet industry as well. We're, we're talking to a couple of pet food companies. I can't say who they are at the moment. We are talking to a couple that are very interested in this. And they're, they're, so they're, good. They're really committed to sort of making their foods healthy, which is great to see. But, uh, but these are not the big conglomerates by any means. Yeah. And that's always the case. I think that it will be the small guys that understand the issues and are trying to put out quality products, recognizing mm-hmm. that this is an issue. Uh, those are always going to be smaller companies. Yeah. Dr. Turner, I'm so thankful that you took time today to educate all of us yet again. We'll check back in and uh, maybe a year and just see where that research is going and what is new and different. In the interim, we appreciate all that you are doing both for humans and animals, not just in terms of identifying the problems, but also working on these important solutions. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed today's video and learned fresh wisdom and insights from our special guest. Stay tuned for more interviews in celebration of creating Happy Healthy Pets 2023. See you soon.